Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. It is Crown Corner as we get you ready for the week ahead for Charlotte FC and recap the weekend was in Columbus. Will Palaja, Jessica Charman here with you. Charlotte falls 4-2. to two. They lose consecutive matches in MLS play for the first time since the opening three games of the season. A tough L. They showed a lot of resilience to come back in the second half, but Jess, unfortunately, the tone was set early by a Columbus team that Charlotte FC just did not have an answer for defensively and couldn't necessarily provide a counterattack with until they'd already been down three goals. Yeah, it's always going to be difficult when you start a game down 1-0 within five minutes, and it's one thing if you can see through individual brilliance from the opposition. It's another thing when you gift an opposition a goal, and unfortunately... When you look back through the course of games we've lost, how often are we conceding an individual error? That's not to focus on Bill Tuiloma as a negative, but in general, we just seem to be plagued with individual errors right now. And it always makes the game so much more difficult when you concede early because then you're chasing from the get-go. And unfortunately, tactically, everything we'd planned in the dressing room didn't have a 1-0 deficit within the first five minutes as part of that game plan. So... I think, yet again, we made things harder for ourselves. The crew were a very good side. They were always going to be very good at home. But unfortunately, we gave them more confidence, more swagger than we needed to with our own defensive woes. Yeah, you mentioned Tui Loma, which, again, that that singular error at the beginning was unfortunate from Charlotte FC. The thing that I noticed is that we really gave them anything that they wanted on their wings. Uh, Yeboa at the wing-back position on the left side and Arfston on the right side, they both had incredible contests, and we just didn't really seem to have an answer on either flank. Harrison Awful and Nathan Byrne, unfortunately, had uh, days that I think they'd like to have back. Nathan picked up his fifth yellow card, which means he'll be suspended for this match. Probably means that Jalen Lindsay will get a start at right back this upcoming weekend, but uh, it seems to me that yes, you know we talk a lot about how those pinched-in fullbacks can certainly uh, hamper Charlotte FC's defending, and it seemed like Columbus uh, found a way to basically maximize on something that you and I had kind of talked about throughout this season as being something that Charlotte FC's got to fix. Yeah, and when you've conceded 30 goals, the worst defensive record in MLS, maybe it's time to think, is this pinched in fullback thing working with the individuals that we've had? I think it's kind of interesting that we talk a lot about not being Real Madrid in press conferences, but then we're trying a tactical a tactical style which is favored by teams like Manchester City and elite sides and it's not to discredit our fullbacks we've got fullbacks that want to work hard that want to play for this club the work rate isn't a question but when you're trying to be playing a style that is extremely difficult and isn't commonly done in most players careers I think we're seeing that maybe it's not as effective with our personnel as maybe it would be with elite you know, world-class players. 
you and I got both alerted to the comments made by Ashley Westwood, the Charlotte FC captain, about Patrick Ajuman. Ajuman, 45 minutes in his first start at the MLS level, and you wonder how that was going to affect the young man. And somebody who you and I have seen play for Crown Legacy a lot and, and shown very, very well. His big, big frame, I think, is something you look at and you see right away. I don't know if he necessarily got the right avenue to showcase his style. One of the things that Westwood had said was, we owe that man an apology because we didn't give him a big MLS debut like he was promised. What did you make of the way that Ajiman featured in his first MLS start? Well, I was pretty shocked when he got taken off at halftime, honestly. And it's not necessarily because he'd set the world on fire, but he had offered a different outlet and a different forward than maybe we've seen. We were finally able to knock the ball up to someone and they hold the ball up, they use their body, they drew the fouls. And actually, if you think back to the Justin Merrim first goal that got called off for offside, rightly so, after seeing mm -hmm. the replay, who started that whole move with the recovery? It was Ajiman. And I think that Ajiman was more composed than we're used to seeing, held the ball up well and linked it up. Did he have too many touches? No. But let's be honest, we weren't playing through him. We weren't giving him the opportunity. But to take him off at halftime, yes, Ben Bender changed things. That's not to take away from the Ben Bender sub. Mm. But it felt a little harsh to take off a guy on his debut at 45 minutes when I don't think he had done anything wrong, so to say. Yeah, I'm with you too. Uh, he, I know we've tried to see what Enzo Capetti can do with the number nine role, and he's done a lot of play with his back to the goal. But a lot of times it seems like there are taller center backs and even taller midfielders who are able to body up with him and size him up and maybe render his effectiveness a little bit uh, lessened or lessen his effectiveness, I should say. And when you have a guy like Ajiman, there are very, very few center backs in this league who can stand up to that type of size and massiveness. We also know what kind of technical ability he brings and something that I was reminded of, and I think Zoran Cornetta uh, in a conversation on the pitch after one of the games reminded me of is that we really haven't gotten a chance to see his speed because he's one of the faster guys on this team. We just don't really get to see it at that position. He outran everybody at the MLS Combine, the college Combine, uh, before the seats. That's part of the reason he was taken number 12 overall is that I don't really even know that we've seen the real breadth of how fast he can be given Charlotte FC's, uh, I know, certain limitations when it comes to uh, people on the wings. I'm not saying that Ajiman necessarily profiles as a winger, but I wonder if maybe in a support role of a Svidersky or a Capetti can maybe be another option in the front with that speed. Well, I think we saw elements of it with closing the ball down, particularly when he came on as a sub. I think we saw that he understands the runs. He knows how to use his body. And I think we saw as well defenders quaking in their boots i know that sounds dramatic but you saw the minute ajiman got possession they felt the need to foul they felt the need to kind of step to him they were threatened by his physicality his strength his soccer iq and something else i really enjoyed about ajiman his ability to take a shot like he wasn't nervous okay the shot left a lot to be desired don't get don't get me wrong but at least he had that willingness in his first mls start to pull the trigger. And I think that was a refreshing thing to see. Certainly so. And looking at the way that uh, the rest of the game went, you mentioned Ben Bender came on, made a bit of a change. Svidersky gets a great, great pass from Ashley Westwood and Justin Merrim uh, gets a nice interception off a giveaway. So if you kind of even out the defensive errors on either side, those kind of kicks each other out. 
I had a feeling that the game was on at that point, especially with Merrim st- uh, scored. But unfortunately, just the uh, the the momentum was very much short lived as Christian Ramirez ended up getting his second goal and seemed like that was the kind of nail in the coffin. Unfortunately for Charlotte. Yeah, it was one of those times where the old cliche of being most at risk of conceding after you score came true. And it felt like all of that positivity, all of that momentum, a lot of our players were thinking about the comeback, understandably so. So were we, let's be honest, in the booth thinking, okay, 3-3, we got this. We're going to get another one. And just like that, they catch you off guard. They catch you thinking about, you know, getting a third instead of perhaps defending that 3-2 or that, yeah, 3-2 scoreline for a little bit longer. And it did feel like that just took the wind out of our sails and once that moment had gone it it was going to be kind of just game over I don't think we really challenged much after conceding that fourth goal I know at the beginning of the contest we looked at how uh, Charlotte C's backline changes had kind of flowed out we heard about the injury to Adilson Milan before the game and hopefully it is just a one match injury with Charlotte FC up against the international break so uh, these guys will have 11 days to kind of get off their feet or at least uh, at least not have a game action they'll still probably practice of course but they will at least have time without a game to kind of go over some things maybe make some tactical adjustments but from Charlotte's perspective uh, not having Melanda back there, I feel like Melanda has gotten a lot of critics, but I feel like those critics were certainly, I don't want to say shut up after uh, what happened on Saturday, but you definitely saw where Charlotte FC misses him in the back line. Well, I think it was the double combination of Melanda and Derek Jones being missing in the same game that just changed everything defensively. There wasn't Derek Jones with his composure, with his interceptions, with his reading of the game to defend uh, in the line of front of the back four. And then Melanda just is irreplaceable in our back line. And yes, he's still young. He's still young. He's going to make mistakes. But at the end of the day, he's our most seasoned player back there in terms of minutes under his belt. He's been ever present. I did have a sort of hypothetical idea that maybe Melanda's being rested to make sure he's 100% so that he can go alongside Guzman Carujo for a start against Seattle Sounders. Now that's completely in my head. Nothing has been said from the manager to confirm that but I don't think that would have been a bad idea because we have heard Latanzo talk about when he put Guzman Carujo in a back five to protect him perhaps you want to make sure that if Carujo does get a start he's able to be alongside a fully fit fresh Adelson Melanda. Yeah and I found that interesting too that they didn't go to Carujo with a three goal deficit I know that's something you and I had kind of speculated about at halftime but I, I think that the better move was made there to keep him away from that score line and keep him on the bench because uh, far be it to expose Guzman again if he is less than fully fit to a scenario that could potentially uh, become precarious. Particularly when you've got the forward line of Cucho and the rest of the Columbus crew forwards that were having a fantastic time up top. We were playing a high line. I think we want to build Guzman's uh, confidence, but I also am a big believer in defenders wanting to start the 90 minutes at the beginning of a game so that they're able to get up to the run of speed easily. And certainly so, very much. And uh, looking over to this week, we'll get into a little bit what's going on with Seattle a little bit later on this week. But just globally right now, Charlotte FC concludes a nine-game stretch, uh, 28 days. They played nine games in that. Over the next 28, they'll only play four or five. So from that aspect, Charlotte FC does get a little bit of a break from how the run of play has gone. Over that nine-game stretch, they went five and four 
in all comps, which again is not necessarily a bad thing when you think about it, but you wonder about losing three of the last four in all comps, including the U.S. Open Cup tie against Birmingham and then these last two road contests against Philadelphia and Columbus. Uh, there's been a lot of topsy-turvy look at the way the club has played and, and for a lot of people, and whether it's pundits, fans, people on social media, a lot of the people are once again throwing barbs at the coaching staff and head coach Christian Latanzio. Latanzio came back and said, look, you know, we're doing everything we can with what we have, which I know unfortunately doesn't necessarily reflect kindly on the players that are on the pitch because I feel like they deserve a little bit more credit than that. But at least to me, Jess, I feel like they've tried and done everything they possibly can to weather the storm of what is definitely probably one of the tougher stretches that any MLS teams that have to go through, especially with four straight on the road like that with a couple of midweeks. Yeah, it's been a really, really tough schedule. And I think it's one thing when you have injuries. It's another thing when you have injuries to two of your most impactful players, like was the case with DJ and Melanda. When you have your two players that have every defense category in their favor statistically, it's always going to have an impact on the field. I'm hoping that we're able to cut this slump, though, before the international break, because this Seattle game is very important to kind of just calm those nerves and resettle the fan base and just make sure everyone's feeling, you know, a little bit better going into that international break because the last thing you want is this streak extended in negativity and then not being able to get back on the pitch again until the middle of June. Yeah, certainly so. We think about Seattle from last year. That was a tough, tough trip for Charlotte FC last year. They did get the goal to open things, but unfortunately conceded twice and lost 2-1. It's a much different Seattle team than we saw last year. We'll get into that a little bit later on this week. Maybe the trip from west to east is as grueling for Seattle as it was the opposite way for Charlotte going up to the Pacific Northwest. We'll get you that podcast later on this week and get you a little bit more as we go throughout the week on Charlotte FC's trip to Seattle. Just appreciate the time. We will talk later on in the week. Yes, sir. Have a good one. That is Charlotte FC's look back at their loss to Columbus, and we'll look ahead to Seattle later on this week right here on your podcast covering all things Charlotte FC, Crown Corner.